I'm so glad you're here today because this is the second week of our um, vision cast we've just called Imagine Kingwood. I don't know if you've um, gotten your uh, wristband yet that says a movement of hope on it. If you haven't picked one up on your way out at the Welcome Center, we've got a, a whole pile of them there. Just grab one and um, it'll, be, it'll be yours to wear or whatever you'd like to do to help you be a reminder of, um, of the vision of Kingwood Church and the plan that God has given us. Uh, you know, of the hundreds of days that I spent as a child in recess, I forgot most of them. <laughs> I don't really know what I did. But there's one day in particular that is vivid in my mind that I haven't forgotten. We were out uh, at recess and an airplane flew over. And something dropped out of the airplane and began to fall toward the field where we were playing. One kid saw it and, you know, pointed up, and then another kid saw it and pointed up, and then it captured the attention of the entire group. You know, maybe, I don't know if it was third, fourth, and fifth grade, whatever, all the kids that were out there that were playing, we were staring up at the sky watching this item that had fallen out of a plane plummet toward the earth. The kickball was left bouncing by itself. Freeze tag lost its luster. Whatever was going on around us became unimportant in that moment because our imagination had been captured. With the instincts of wild animals, we begin to rush toward it. You know, we're gonna, one of us is going to get it, we thought. We ran across the parking lot and past the gym and over speed bumps and down the main driveway toward the highway. You can imagine elementary kids running toward a four-lane highway, you know. Looking up, not looking at the traffic, looking up. Well, finally, one of our teachers caught up with us before we got to the highway. And uh, unfortunately, whatever that item was, uh, fell down across the tree line uh, on the horizon. And we never were able to catch it or know what to do with it. But that moment, the reason I remember that recess, and I don't remember all the hundreds of other recesses that I went to, is because that moment uniquely captured our attention. And that's what vision is. Vision is something that's bigger than all of us. Vision is an interruption. And it's so significant, it's worth stopping what you're doing and giving your all to it. Have you ever had that feeling? Like there's, there's got to be more? Sometimes life can feel like eating and sleeping and working and trying to find a break and then repeating all that over and over and over. And this is what happened when a fisherman named Peter met Jesus. His family was fine. His business was going well. He was successful, yet deep in his heart somewhere, he was unfulfilled. And there had to be days that he asked himself, is this all there is? And as the days went by, there were as many questions as there were days. He was a driven man, though, never afraid to tackle a problem. But this one seemed to be getting the best of him every time. He felt ordinary and extraordinary at the same time. Have you ever had that feeling? Like, I feel like just another person, yet I feel like inside me is something extraordinary trying to get out. Should I be more proactive? Should I be doing something else? Like gold hidden in a mattress, he felt the weight of his hidden potential. And one morning, just like any other, 
He went through the same routine. And then Jesus walked into his life. And he invited Peter to look up and find his purpose. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, fishing like they always had. For they were fishermen. That's what fishermen do. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Look at verse 20. At once, immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. When when the apostle Peter found his purpose, it set his heart on fire. It doesn't mean his life was always easy after that. It doesn't mean that everything went right. But it does mean that he functioned with greater passion because he was driven by his purpose. I, I find that generally... There's a longing inside of everyone's heart to know our purpose, to make a difference, to know that our life matters somehow beyond just getting through another week. So I have a question for you this morning. Do you know your purpose? Do you know your purpose? I don't mean your purpose in going to heaven, your purpose in being a Christian, your purpose in having a relationship with God. Yes, yes, and yes. But if that's all there were, God could just take you to heaven now. Between now and heaven, do you know your purpose? Are you you content? I'm not asking you, where, where do you work? I'm not asking you, do you know your job title? I'm not asking you, do you have a career? That that's not your purpose. I'm not asking if you're busy. Everybody's busy. I'm asking you, do you know your purpose? Are you you really content inside your heart that the potential that God has put in you is coming out? Do you have a sense that something is missing in your life? Are your regrets bigger than your dreams? What will people say about you at your funeral? Will they say, she had a good job? Will they say, he had a good education? Will they say, boy, they took good vacations? Or will they say, I'm here today because he, because she made an impact on my life? What will they say? Most people don't know their purpose, and you can see it in the way they live. John Eldridge uh, wrote a book called The Sacred Romance, and in the book he tells this, he, he shares this idea He calls a tournament of stories. And here's how he describes it. He says, we live in a tornado of stories that are all competing for the primary way that we define our lives. In the absence of an overarching mega story, we settle for smaller stories that we make up or someone makes up for us. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Whose story are you living in? Is it one that you made up? Or is it one that someone made up for you? Here's some of the storylines from those smaller stories. The more stuff I have, the more fulfilled I will be. My experiences tell me what's true. My life is happiest and most fulfilled when my children are good at school and good at sports. 
This is why there's so much passion around sports and politics and the latest fad, because we're looking for something to give our life to, and we generally attach ourselves to the biggest story we can find. And so we say, what could be more important than whatever, fill in the blank? Why do you, why do you think fantasy sports are growing? And doesn't it tell you all you need to know that it's called fantasy? You're not actually playing, right? You're just living someone else's dream. It's not your dream. It's not your purpose. But it gives you some of the feelings of that purpose and for a time may even distract you. Fan bases are going, growing. The amount of money we spend on sports is going up. People move from ball field to ball field to ball field hoping that something will happen and they will one day come to life. One day it will all matter. If I just love this team enough, if I just love this sport enough, maybe something will make sense. Every time I uh, go to a funeral or go to a graveside and I walk through the, the, the um, graveyard and I see tombstones with Roll Tide, I'm not going to leave you Auburn fans out, or War Eagle, I think what a sad summary of a life. I want, you to, I want you to think for a minute what this means. Now, I'm not, some of you have relatives with that on there. Maybe some of you have to go to the funeral home after this and, you know, refill out the form of what you're going to put on yours. So I'm not picking on you. I, I just want you to think for a minute, what story are you living in? After all that time, if you had to narrow your life down, the tombstones are only so big. You can only put so much on there. If you had to narrow your life down and to summarize it in one thing, are you telling me that's going to be it? Most of the people who have that on their tombstone have never met a player or a coach, and most of them, no one from the university even knows their name. And that's what you gave your life to? I saw a man the other day who they buried in a tractor. Buried him in his tractor. Because he loved his tractor. That's the summary of our life, that I love a piece of farming equipment. Mostly we look for the biggest story we can find and we pour our lives into it. And we long for things to be passionate about because we don't know our purpose. We spend too much of our lives, listen to this, trying to live someone else's purpose, and then we have to try to stay passionate about it. Eric Hoffer said, when people are free to do as they please, they ultimately imitate each other. There's a lot of that going on out there, isn't it? Just imitating other people. When you are living someone else's purpose, passion and motivation will always be a problem. Because you keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself and pushing yourself. When I, when I was a new Christian, one of the greatest truths that I ever heard in my life, and it changed my life, I'd never heard anybody say this. When someone said, God has a plan for your life. Now you may go, well, I've heard that you know, a million times. Well, it was the first time I'd ever heard it. And when I heard it, it rocked my little brain. Because I thought, I didn't even know God noticed me. 
Are you telling me that God has a plan for my life? And then I begin to look around at all the people think, well, I wonder what it is. And I begin to look at all the gifted people around me. I didn't have any musical ability. I couldn't play any instruments. I couldn't sing. I didn't have any artistic talent of any kind. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do anything better than any of the people around me that I saw. I couldn't work with my hands. I didn't have any ability like that. I was the youngest person in my neighborhood, and I just felt average. And I thought, maybe God has a plan for everybody else, but maybe that doesn't apply to me. Because I couldn't see what God could do with me. And I just felt average. I think that's where most people live. I think most people just feel average. We feel average looking at and admiring other people and what other people do. And we feel average like we have no purpose, like we have no contribution, like we have no impact. But see, here's what I want you to know this morning. God has this great, big, gigantic story that engulfs and just sucks up all our little stories. And it's not a big story. It is the story. It's the story. And when you begin to find your place in the story, it will set your heart on fire. When I begin to understand my purpose, it filled me with passion, and I have lived nearly all of my adult life with passion. Not trying to get motivated, trying to figure out how much longer is this going to take? I'm ready to go now. That's how I've lived. So what does that have to do with our vision? Our vision is to become a movement of hope for Shelby County and beyond. Last week we said by helping people meet God. Today I want to say this. Our vision is to become a movement of hope for Shelby County and beyond by helping people find purpose. Imagine if we as a church could unlock the golden potential resting inside of every heart. Imagine imagine the passion that would ignite. Imagine the life that it would release. What does my purpose have to do with being a movement of hope? Look at Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. He's praying that that their eyes would be opened in order that you may know what? Hope to which he has called you. You are called to hope. Notice that your calling and hope are connected. They grow together. Nothing will utilize all that God has put in you like your calling. Outside of your relationship with Jesus, nothing will be more fulfilling to you than finding your purpose. And once you start walking in your God-given purpose, you will experience hope in a more fulfilling way. When people walk in their purpose, hope rises. When hope rises, we become a movement of hope. Imagine releasing into Shelby County hundreds of people that know what their purpose is. Man, you could make a difference like that. Ephesians 4, 15, and 16 says it like this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Look at verse 16. From him, the whole body, that's everybody, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, watch this, 
grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You have a purpose, and when you find your purpose and you do your purpose, the body of Jesus gets stronger, and when the body of Jesus gets stronger, it starts to impact the community around us. Well, we've got, look, here's what we've got. we got too many weak churches. And you know why our churches are weak? Because we, they're filled with people who have no foggy idea why God put them on earth. And when you unleash the potential, the God-given potential of a person, you will unleash a movement of people into a community. Is that right? So if you want to know what our church's vision is, read Ephesians 4, 11 through, 11 through 16. It's the clearest we can, we can see it in Scripture. God has somehow woven together your purpose inside His purpose and the mission of the church. We can't be a movement of hope if you don't know your purpose. So we have got to help people find their purpose. This is a win, win, win. When you find your purpose, you start to grow. When you start to grow, you start to help your family grow. When your family starts to grow, you strengthen the church, and a strong church can be a movement of hope for Shelby County. So here's what I want you to imagine for a minute. Imagine a movement of passionate people who know their God-given purpose and are making a difference. Imagine generations of young people being launched from this church who know who they are in Jesus and who God has uniquely made them to be. I want you to imagine empty nesters. People who've gone through all the child and all of that, and the kids are gone now, seeing all the pieces of life begin to come together and living with great purpose. Imagine seniors drawing from a well of experience with a crystal clear calling to leave a legacy. Imagine young families not swept up in every activity of society, living underneath the weight of all these smaller stories, but exploring the kingdom of God, finding their purpose. I want you to imagine children in this church from the time they can walk, somebody looking at them and speaking over their life, God has a special purpose for your life. Can you imagine what that would be like? That's what a movement of hope looks like. Everyone, 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 if you are breathing, you have a God-given purpose. So how do you, how do you find your purpose? Do you, do you go to Amazon? Is it in the Apple store? You think they got it at Walmart at the Supercenter? Where do you find a purpose like this? Well... Our vision is to help people find their God-given purpose. So why don't we start today? If you've got something to write with, let me give you a few thoughts this morning. On If, if you and I were to have lunch one day and you were to say, man, I really feel like there's something bottled up inside me, something God wants to do in me and through me, but I don't, I don't know what it is, how can I figure that out? This is what I would tell you. <laughs> this is the conversation you and I would have. So let's just have that conversation this morning. I want you to think about your God-given purpose like a puzzle. Okay? When you, if you've ever done a puzzle, if you've ever put a puzzle together, 
What you do is you start with the, the borders, right? You start with the borders, you frame it in, and then you look at the boundaries, and you look at the pile of pieces, and you pick them up one at a time, and you say, I wonder which one goes next. And as you place those pieces into the puzzle frame, over time, a picture begins to form. And with every piece you put in place, it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. And that's how I want you to think this morning about finding your God-given purpose. It's not, you're not going to you're not going to put a quarter in a machine. You're not going to put your debit card somewhere. You're not going to order it online. It's not going to land on you. Like it's a process. So let me, let me give you some pieces that you can grab and put into the frame, and it'll begin to get clear. Number one, embrace your true identity. What do I mean by that? You are not who people say you are. You are not who your family is. You are not what other people have done, and you are not what other people have done to you. That's not who you are. That's not what your true identity is. If you're a Christian, the Bible says you have a new identity. You are a new creation. All old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And embracing that new identity and applying it to every area of your life, has unbelievable power and unbelievable potential for you and I to live a full Christian life. John chapter 13 verse 3 describes this exact thought in Jesus' life. Jesus, look at this, knew. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. In other words, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus did not have an identity crisis. He knew who he was. And that he had come from God, knew where he came from, and that he was returning to God. He knew where he was going. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What gave Jesus the power to make a difference in his disciples' life. He knew who he was. When you know who you are, you have been freed to serve. Now watch, watch. When we don't know our true identity then what's going to happen is we try to find our self-esteem, we try to find our identity in accomplishments. Did you see how much I sold this month? Did you see what position I have in the company? Do you know how much that I've accomplished? We try to seek that identity in success. We try to seek it in a title. We get the title and then we guard it. And th then we have to undercut people around us because they make us look bad. It causes us to function out of great insecurity and weakness. And you'll never find your purpose when you don't know your identity. Instead of coming from a place of strength, embracing your true identity in God is the foundation of your purpose. Don't look around for what does God want me to do. First look around for who does God want me to be. And your doing flows from your being. So who are you? 
Well, the Bible says you're God's son or daughter. The Bible says you're adopted, you're accepted, you're redeemed, you're justified, you're transformed. You have a new mind and a new future. Until you embrace this new identity in Christ, you will always struggle to find your purpose. I don't know, I don't know anybody, I don't know anybody that has dramatic struggles with their identity in Christ that is really living a fulfilling life of God's purpose. Number two, discover your unique identity. So the foundation of your purpose is your identity in Christ. That's true for every believer on earth. And it can be true for every human on earth. But there's also a unique identity that God has beyond your identity in Him. It is a unique identity for you. You, you've heard all the things, you know, snowflakes under a microscope are all different. Your, your thumbprint, everybody's thumbprint is different. You're unique. You're extraordinarily unique. You are a unique expression of the glory of God that does not exist anywhere else on earth. And so how do you, how do you tap into that? Well, a lot of people are learning more about themselves by learning their genealogy. Maybe you've seen this, Com- companies like Ancestry. You know, they'll help you find your ethnic or your cultural background. And when a person knows their background, what does it do for them? It helps them, it liberates them to accept and to understand and to celebrate who they are. So what does it bring? It brings clarity. And when you have clarity, you can move with greater intention. Because you, you have a better handle on who you are. In a similar way, God has uniquely designed you for your purpose. So here's what I want you to know. Purpose is not something that's waiting for you. Purpose is something that's waiting in you. And so you have to look inside the person God made you to be to understand what God made you to do. So let me give you a a few thoughts on how do I find my unique identity. Well, find your unique design. Uh, Every one of us have desires, passions, things that move us. Look there. We all have experiences, pains, joys, turning points in our life. That's part of your design. Every one of us have spiritual gifts. Uh, You can go onto our website and you can take a spiritual gifts assessment and it'll tell you what are your spiritual gifts. There's a clue. Every one of us have a unique personality. Some are introverts, some are extroverts, some like routine, some like variety. You have a unique personality and that's part of who God made you to be. We all have unique natural abilities. So, look, we teach this um, eight or nine times a year in next steps. And and so uh, I know sometimes you say, well, I'm just going to go on the website and take my spiritual gifts assessment. Let me tell you what our experience is with people who go on the website and take the spiritual gifts assessment, and that's all they do. They get the results, they go, oh, that's good, and they don't know what to do with it. Like, what's my next step with it? So in next steps, we have someone there who helps you. Pastor Mark and and our team helps you interpret what are some potential ways I can act on this unique design. So, by the way, next steps starts next week. Isn't Isn't that ironic? So you can go on our website under next steps and you can sign up. It's a two week class. Meets at 10.30, two weeks in a row. It's, we, we designed it to try to help people discover their purpose. Here's another place. Look for patterns in your history. 
When I was a, um, a young teenager, I had never led one thing in my life and it never crossed my mind that God would ever want me to lead anything or that God even knew I was there. I wasn't following God. Never led anything. I was the little brother. I was the youngest in my neighborhood. There were about 30 kids in our neighborhood. I was the youngest kid in our neighborhood other than this little kid about six years younger than me. And, you know, he didn't count because he was a baby. So I'd never led a thing. And something happened when I met Jesus that sparked a fire inside my heart, and I began to lead things. I was the uh, president of our history club. I was the youngest, I was the only person, uh, the first person in our school's history to preach a chapel service when I was a teenager. I, I, I ran, uh, my senior year of high school, we were between coaches, and as a senior, I ran the practices for basketball. I don't recommend that, by the way. I led a devotional every day my senior year. Uh, in, in, the, uh, in the late 90s, I went to the Netherlands, and we were working with some missionaries. The missionaries said, hey, do you guys mind if we go by the Bible college for a couple hours, and we just want to do a question and answer with our Bible school students from a, a minister in America? Okay, fine. So we sat there in that class, and they were firing all kind of questions. And as I began to answer the questions, something rose up in me, and I said, I don't even think I would have to eat or sleep anymore if I could just do stuff like this. I love working with leaders. And as I look back across my life, I see a pattern that instinctively kept rising up in me and sparked passion in me. You will find greater purpose looking back across your life for the patterns that are there. What are the connections in your life that God just seems to keep putting together? Here's, a, here's another thought. Find who you're called to help. You will never find your God-given purpose as long as your dreams are self-serving. As long as your dream is about you getting more, you going higher, you being more famous, you're going to be chasing your own dream. And here's the way that you can differentiate your dreams from God's dreams. Ask yourself, if my dream were to come to pass, would the world be a better place to live in? Or would I just be better off? That's how you can discern between your own dreams and a God dream. So here's how, here's how to find out how God uniquely made you. If you could help any group of people on earth, who would it be? Would it be children or people with special needs? Would it be in the area of race relations or youth, the elderly, marriage, families, men, women, missionaries, people groups with no church, people who are illiterate, prisoners, orphans, widows, unchurched, athletes, parents, coaches, students, artists, and stuff? I mean, we could talk till next Sunday about all the groups that there are. If you could help anyone, who would it be? I heard a few years ago. Uh, Henry Cloud, who has given his entire life to being a Christian psychologist. And he said, I, I, I always felt a little unfulfilled. He's written books. He's written excellent books that I would recommend. But at this stage of his life, he said, I always felt myself a little unfulfilled because I would find myself working in counseling, working in this area, but then also on the side working with leaders sometimes. And I just felt conflicted about I didn't know how to make sense out of that and, and he said one day, he found the right puzzle piece, and when he snapped it in, he saw a different picture. 
He said, where I actually, my sweet spot in life is where counseling and leadership overlap. And so what he does now is he spends all of his time helping leaders become healthy in their inner life. So emotional, spiritual, integral, ethical, all those areas, he helps leaders where counseling and leadership overlap. What kind of people do you find yourself drawn to? When you find who you're most passionate about helping, you will find a huge clue to the purpose God has for you. So, embrace your true identity, discover your unique identity. Number three, look for opportunities to serve. Where, where could my strengths be used? Are there people around me I feel drawn to? Ultimately, just find the best opportunity you see at the time and take it. I remember when I was um, between high school and college, I didn't have enough money to go to college, so I was working three jobs trying to raise the money to go to college. And one of those jobs put me in a hospital. I was working in a hospital uh, transporting patients from their room to the treatment area and back. And in this hospital, there were 32 miles of hallway, and I walked most of them. And as I would walk, I, I felt stuck. I thought, you know, what, what, can I, what can I do that matters here? And so what I did is I looked around. It's not about getting the job. It's not about getting the title. It is about serving where you are. So I said, all right, look, if ministry is about helping people, I'm pushing sick people around all day. So what I would do is I would take each person, and as I was walking without a patient, I'd be praying, God, I don't know who the next patient is, but whoever it is, I pray for them now. And I pray that you'd open a door. And as, as I would be pushing them, sometimes they would want to talk, and sometimes they didn't want to talk. Sometimes they couldn't talk. And so I would talk if they wanted to talk. If they didn't want to talk, I would push them, and I'd pray for them. Say, God, I just pray today, you know, all the way down, up the elevator, down the elevator. But, but, but look, here, here's what happens. Clarity comes as you move. If you're going to stand stationary until you find clarity, good luck, you're never going to find it. Here's when clarity comes. When you take the piece of the puzzle that you see and you snap it in place, now clarity's going to come. So someone once thought that I, I should work with children until I did. And um, I, I, I almost threw one of the five-year-olds in the church dumpster in the parking lot. And it happened to be the associate pastor's son. And I thought, of all kids, you should know not to act like this. And because there were people around me who loved me, they helped me find clarity that that was not my purpose. I was not called to work with children. But you can't learn that until you try it. Clarity comes when you move. It doesn't come when you wait for it. That's why at our church we have 30 serve. We say, try it for 30 days. If it's not you, abandon, <laughs> dismount. Somebody needs to come around you with their arm and say, listen, I love you, but you can't throw kids in the dumpster. I'm not even sure you need to work with kids ever. And somebody was smart enough to do that for me. Look at Matthew um, 16, 25. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
A life of purpose is not about what you get out of life, but it's about what you put into it. If you seek fulfillment, if you seek a fulfilling life, you'll never find it. But if you serve the people that God gave you to serve, you'll find more fulfillment than you ever deserve. Number four, here's the last one. Surrender your future. Let's look again at Matthew 4. Jesus said, come follow me, Peter, and I'll send you out to fish for people. And how did he respond? Okay. He immediately dropped the nets, opened his hands, and said, here I am. One of the reasons that you and I struggle to find our purpose, our God-given purpose, is we won't let go of what's in our hands. And the only way your hands are ever going to be filled with what God wants to put in it is for you to let go of what you're holding on to now. One of the greatest prayers that you and I could ever pray, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. God, I'll do anything you want me to do. God, I'll be anybody you want me to be. Just lead me. And, and he, here's, here's the thing. Surrendering to God opens up your purpose. I want to take you back to the puzzle again. I got good news for you. It's not your job to fulfill your purpose. It's not your job to even know completely what your purpose is. You and I only have one job. It's to take the piece of the puzzle that we see and put it in place. And to trust that there is a God who's been guiding me all my life. And one day as I look back, I will see a life of great purpose. Of great God-given purpose. Just follow God with the amount of clarity that you have today. And if you live that way, one day that whole picture is going to be filled in. But it only fills in a piece at a time. Some of you will remember um, we suffered a great tragedy across the holidays. One of our um, dear brothers, uh, Johnny Nobling, went home to be with the Lord. I was so fascinated as I attended his funeral and I just heard one person after another, after another, after another talk about the impact that he had on their life. So many of you had the joy of knowing him. But I was also fascinated by what people didn't say at his funeral. I didn't hear one person mention where he worked. I'm sure Johnny was a good employee because I know him. But nobody mentioned where he worked or what he did for work or what his position was or what his sales were like. Nobody even mentioned that. What everybody said was if you could boil it down Johnny lived a bigger life than that. I'm sure he was a good employee. I'm sure he worked hard. I'm sure he worked with great integrity. And I'm sure he did his best. But at the end of the day, his life was bigger than that. And he lived that way.
every day. What an example to us of a person who lived their God-given purpose. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask our prayer team to come. And would you just close your eyes and open your heart, find a place you could just stand quietly for a moment? This is the time that matters. Because this is the time that you're in a church service like any other Sunday, but today Jesus is walking by. And he's talking to you and he's saying, hey, come follow me and I'll make you whatever it is he wants to make you. And you have a decision to make. Will I follow or will I not follow? So this morning, if you are just heavy hearted, maybe, maybe you just have a need and that's all it is. There's an there's a unresolved need in your life and you need prayer. In just a moment, I want you to come and let our prayer team minister to you. Maybe you need wisdom. You say, you know, I'm, I've got a big decision to make and I don't know which way to go. Can I tell you those big decisions of life oftentimes are puzzle pieces that fit in the overall story that God has for you. They're important. They do matter. They do have consequences. Should I take this job? Should I move this direction? Should I end this relationship? Should I start this relationship? What should I do? Today, maybe you say, you know what? I kind of feel like you did when you were a teenager. I just feel average. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know what my strengths are. If that's you, I want you to come. And the, Your first step is to have that honest conversation with God and, and to say to someone on the prayer team, I just want you to pray for me that God will help me to find what he made me good at. What, a, what an incredible prayer to pray. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm, I'm stuck. I feel stalled out. I don't even know. I would, I would take a step if I knew which one to take. I don't know which, which step to take. I'm living in a routine. I don't know how to break out. If that's you, I want you to come and just have one of the prayer team pray with you and say, God, would you just make the next step clear? Just make the next piece of the puzzle clear. Maybe some of you are here and you say, you know what, if I'm going to be honest, I do know the next step. I do know what my next puzzle piece is. I just haven't done it. Would you come and let the prayer team pray with you? And here's your prayer. God, today, would you give me the courage and would you give me the faith to act on what I already know to do? God, would you just give me the faith as I begin to pray for you, if you need prayer, I want you to come right now. I want you to step out from where you are, and I want you to come and find one of the prayer team. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would draw every person, every person who you're dealing with about your purpose in their life, every person who's at a crossroads, every person who's at a point of decision, every person who's looking for clarity, every person who wants to know the next step. God, I pray that you draw Holy Spirit right now by your power. Draw every person, every person that needs clarity today, every person that needs wisdom today, every person that's stuck today. God, I pray you draw right now by your power.
the worship team begins to sing. If you need prayer, I want